I got one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life, got a made up mind, one time to live, one time to die, I gotta make my one count, one life. You're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of where you are on planet Earth, today's podcast is called Now Featuring Homochristality, or it could have been Homosexuality, but we're going to roll with Homochristality. I know you're saying, what in the world is that? Okay, that is the reason for this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please take a second to subscribe to the podcast feed. Please take a second to share this thing. You know, a lot of times the way that we know about churches and uh, resources in Jesus Christ is through other people. And it's already validated because word of mouth is coming from you. You give it to a friend. They're already sold. They check it out. They tried. Of course, this is not me trying to, you know, market or, you know, for the sake of marketing and all that kind of stuff. But it is to get the word out because this thing, the LGBT transgenderism is closer to you than you think. It's kind of like they say with incarceration. Everyone knows somebody or has a family member that's been incarcerated. Before you know it, it's going to be your co-worker, maybe your own child, or it'll be in your own family if it's not already there. Because this thing is, is running rampant. So anyway, let's get into this. Again, the podcast is called Now Featuring Homochristality. This is a very short set of statistics that comes from an article called Traditional Methodist Search for New Path Forward. The gentleman responsible for the contribution of the article is Mark Tooley. And this was just last week, August 17th. So uh, let's read. I just took a few statistics from this that will make for a great word now featuring homochristality. Okay, here are some stats from the article. Now, this is uh, involving churches. Okay, you have denominations, United Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist, Southern Baptist. You've got non-denominational, Calvary Chapel, Assemblies of God. We're talking about evangelical churches, not Catholic or anything that's other than the canon of Scripture. Catholic, Jehovah Witness, Mormons. No, we're not talking about them. We're just talking about regular evangelical churches. Those who are from a long line of people who have been following the teachings of Jesus Christ, according to the disciples who followed Jesus when he walked the earth. Those are the kind of churches that we're talking about. All right. So here are a few points from the article. About 5% of the membership in old liberalized denominations joined the new conservative denominations. But each of the old denominations has lost many more members since liberal liberalizing. For example, the Presbyterian Church USA PCA since its 2013 affirmation of actively homosexual clergy has lost over half a million members, about one third of its membership. Since its 2009 sexual liberation, the Evangelical Lutheran Church has lost more than a million members, about one quarter of its membership. 
the Episcopal Church, since electing its first openly homosexual bishop in 2003, has lost over half a million members, about one quarter of its membership. The influence of LGBT plus messages continue to grow. Finally, last point, some United Methodist leaders insist traditionalists will be welcome even after the, the denomination jettisons biblical sexual teaching. If you're saying, hey brother, what in the world was that? Can you please unpack that sharp cheddar cheese for me? All this pretty much is saying is basically there has been a progressive accepting and affirming of LGBT in the name of Jesus Christ under the banner of church, Presbyterian, Evangelical Lutheran Church, the Episcopal Church, uh, and also growing and coming soon, believe it or not, the Baptist denomination is being infiltrated more and more and more. So you have, that's the issue here. What you have is, hey, I'm in the LGBT community. I'm gay. I got a family. Can me and my husband be members of your church? Can we teach the word? In other words, they're saying, I can be gay and be Christian. I can be homosexual and be Christian. I can be lesbian and be Christian. I can be a transgender and be Christian. I can be this thing and still also be a Christian. And that's why you have such a divide, such chaos. Seems like the most that this article suggests has been impacted is about a half a quarter of the membership half of the membership uh let's see a third of this membership in certain denominations okay enough news now let's get into the word so as with a lot of things when it comes to understanding god and 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 and, and what his intent for man was and is and will always be we have to go back to the beginning. It's not because the beginning is irrelevant. It's because the beginning determines everything else. It's kind of like building a house. If a general contractor or a home inspector, a home inspector walks into a home, there are certain things that will tell them, you know what? Something is wrong with the foundation. It's not square, it's not level, it's not plumb, there's some settling, and that's the reason for all of this damage. Doors don't close, uh, you know, cracks in the walls, the floors are warping. Different things will let the person know, uh, we got to go back to the very bottom of this whole house, because unless that's fixed, nothing else, everything will remain wrong until the foundation is made right. And that's how it is here. So again, let's let's get into now featuring homo Christality, and we're going to go back to Genesis three, verses one through six. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, "Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?' And the woman said to the serpent." We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the tree. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Genesis 3, 1 through 6 ESV. Here's a few points to illustrate this text. Now, remember, just like we always do, we're pulling out the seasonings. I got some liquid smoked seasoning sauce. I got some Worcestershire sauce. I got some minced garlic on the table. I got, you know, I I got all these things, some diced and chopped up onions. And we're laying out the ingredients so we can just add which part goes at which sequence. And then it'll come together for a nice Feast at the end. So, a few points. One, Satan's two-word twist with falsified mayonnaise infiltrated the perfect union of God and man. Listen to the text. Again, all he is saying is, when he said to the woman, going back to verse 1, did God actually say? See, actually say. It's like, is he lying? Look at the question. Did God actually say you should not eat of the tree in the garden? He's taking the statement of God and he puts a word in there. Two words, did and actually. Did is the question. Actually is saying, hey, are you sure of that? Are you sure about that? So all he's doing is taking what God said. He puts two words on it. And then he makes the woman question, hmm. So the second point, Satan knew Eve was hungry and wanted to eat in that moment. She had to be hungry, folks, because after he said that, what did she do? She looked and she took and ate. There's no way someone could convince me to eat when I'm not hungry. I'm like, yeah, maybe later. But in that moment, he he knew that she was hungry Here's why that's important. The Bible says in James 1, 13 through 15, but each man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So that's the same thing Satan did. He tempted her because he knew what her lust was. All right. Next point. Satan knew Eve could be enticed to be wise. Remember, the lust was hunger. And the, the, the wise was enticed. She didn't know anything about good and evil. That's why he said to her, but the serpent said in verse four, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. She ain't know nothing about that. There's not a whole lot of dialogue with Eve. These are the first words that she's speaking that's recorded in the Bible. So as soon as Genesis 2, 25, and they were both naked and not ashamed, here come the serpent. Just like that. So she didn't know anything about that, but Satan knew it. So he said, let me put this out there and see what she do. I'm going to entice her to be wise. Let me throw it out there like suggestive selling. Would you like some fries with that today? I wasn't even thinking about no fries, but you know what? Yeah, yeah, go on, go on, put the fries on there. 
Okay. Next point. Satan did not do or say anything else, but watched the poison take effect. In this text, the last time you hear him speak is verse four. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. Satan didn't do nothing else. He just sat there. That was the poison and the rest is history. Just please understand, the Bible says a lot about the devil. We're not going to get into that. We're trying to stick to the topic at hand, which is now featuring homochristality. The blend of people who say, I can be a Christian and be gay. I can be a gay Christian. I can be an LGBTQIAS2 plus ZYXWVUT Christian. That's what we're addressing today. So, the first point I have, and I have a lot, these are the major points. That, 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 uh, that was just a, you know, kind of like a synopsis of what took place in that text there. But point number one, the devil is always talking to people for eternally destructive purposes. Satan plays for keeps. There's a word study I did years ago on John 10, 10, which says the thief come but to steal, kill, and destroy. If you were to chase those three words kill steal and destroy you will see what the devil is doing with those words is a lot more destructive than what those words say we don't have time to go there but if you know if you have time and you were to chase them you will see wow it's kind of like somebody when they investigate a crime scene once they put the pieces of the puzzle together they are blown away at the level and depth of evil and depravity that they often find. The person was thinking, doing, saying things all behind the scenes and carefully doing this, that, and the other in order to carry out the actual crime. That's how those words will, will, be, will be revealed if you were to chase them. So again, the devil is always talking to people for etern eternally destructive purposes. Let's just read the Bible. First Peter 5, 8, King James Version. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Remember, the devil knows that you have to die. The devil knows that you, you know, you're going to spend eternity in heaven or you're going to spend eternity in hell. So when he's doing things in your life, He's talking because he's always trying to pull you towards uh, 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 eternal damnation, hellfire. Second verse, Revelation 12, 12, King James Version. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Watch this. The heavens is not the earth. The Bible says, therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Why? Because, as it says here, for the devil has come down unto you, the inhabitants of the earth and sea. So people in heaven ain't got to worry about the devil. But if you ain't in heaven and you on earth, you got to worry about the devil. That's why the Bible says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So, you know, it's kind of like somebody else told me a long time ago. I got to go strong because I ain't got long. That's the devil. The devil 
is having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So when he's talking, oh yes, he has eternally destructive purposes. He wants to destroy you for eternity. And he, uh, his aim is to get you on the hell bound train, get you in, fasten your seat, fasten that seat belt and weld you fix and fasten you and bind you and hold you captive to the hell bound train. Okay. Ephesians 4 27 King James version. The Bible says neither give place to the devil. Why does the Bible tell us this? Because of the first point I told you, the devil is always talking to people for eternally destructive purposes. The second point I'd like to highlight when it comes to the whole issue of homochristality and, uh, you know, the, 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 all this ruckus amongst these supposedly strong and firm denominations is your lust is Satan's leverage. Your lust is Satan's leverage. The word lust means desire. It's not attached strictly to sexual stuff. Lust is desire. Someone could lust for money. Someone could lust for beauty. Someone could lust for power, etc. James 1, again, I quoted it earlier, James 1, 13 through 15, King James, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. 16, it says, do not err, my beloved brethren. What is the goal of sin? It's to kill you. The goal of sin is death. The Bible even says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, you're listening to One Life with Taylor via MadeUpMind.com. Let me pull that scripture up. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. This is just illuminating what sin does. All right. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin. That's why, again, it's not going to be long if you are in sin. Death is around the corner. You can see it in the news all the time. All right. First Corinthians seven, five amplified classic version. It says, do not refuse and deprive and defraud each other of your due marital rights. This is talking about the context of marriage. First Corinthians seven is about marriage. Except perhaps by mutual consent for a time so that ye may devote yourselves unhindered to prayer. But afterwards, resume marital relations, lest Satan tempt you to sin through your lack of restraint of sexual desire. 
even when it comes to marriage life, marital relations, what happens in the context of marriage? Sex. Sex outside of marriage is not uh, of God, meaning God does not, uh, it, it's sin before God. Fornication, sleeping around, adultery, homosexuality, promiscuity, lewdness, lasciviousness, uh, perversion, molestation, you name it. All those things are under the umbrella of sex. It's a perversion. It's something other than what God created sex for. I know the world has made it fun and the world has seduced us and made us think it's okay from the way the women dress and the songs and things on TV and commercial and teachers now. All this stuff is like sex sauce is everywhere. So we don't think of premarital sex as sin. A lot of churches got folk in premarital sin right in the church going there like it ain't it's no big deal. But listen to what the Bible says. It says, do not re refuse or deprive and defraud each other of your due marital rights, except for a time that you may pray, devote yourselves unhindered to prayer. But what happens as soon as you get through praying afterwards, resume marital relations. Here he is, lest Satan tempt you to sin through your lack of restraint of sexual desire. So again, Satan knows, ooh, in this moment, just like he found Jesus in Matthew 4. Oh, Jesus was fasting. Oh, he was 40 days in the wilderness. And he comes and he's walking and Satan goes to him because he know he tired. He know he hungry. So he begins to tempt him with things right there. But God says, of course, Jesus never sinned. He was victorious over the devil with the word of God. And the Bible says after that, angels came and ministered unto him. Why? Because the brother was tired. Jesus Christ was tired. His human uh, body, his flesh, his blood was tired. And that's why those angels came and ministered to him. Because he withstood the devil in a weak point. Meaning a, a very vulnerable point. Alright, next verse. Galatians 5.17, King James. For the, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Ladies and gentlemen, your lust is Satan's leverage. Your lust is Satan's leverage. Let's move on to the next point. Satan has always tried to twist the truth since the beginning. We were reading in Genesis chapter 3. You know, if you, if you read the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, he creates the earth, the, 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 the heavens and the earth and all the stuff, the animals, the, 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 the lakes and rivers and waters and, you know, the animals and the fish and all that. Then he creates man. Then he, he Genesis 2, he, he rests and he takes man, creates him, forms him and fashions him. Then he puts him in the garden and he gives him instruction. Then he see he lonely. Adam named all the animals. Then uh, he say, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. Then we arrive to Genesis uh, 2, um, 20, 21, where he takes the rib he forms a woman he brings her to adam and then in 24 25 therefore a man shall leave his father and mother shall be joined into his wife 25 they were both naked and not ashamed that's genesis chapters one and chapter two then we get to genesis chapter three in other words not much has happened and soon as we get to the very beginning here it is satan is already trying to twist the truth it is his nature to do that Let's read John 8, 44 through 45, King James Version. It says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. This is Jesus Christ talking. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Did you hear verse 45? Jesus is saying, listen, if you are of your father, the devil, what's in your heart and desire is his heart and desire. That's why he say, if you are vexed by the devil and lies, even though you are told the truth, you do not believe it. Says Jesus, standing right in front of a group of people at that time. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Hey, I'm telling you the truth and you still don't believe me. I'm God in the flesh. I've done miracles up until this point. I have done many things to prove who I am as God. Yet I tell you the truth in your face and you still don't believe me. You're going to see where we're going here in a second. Keep these thoughts in mind. You can take notes, replay this thing, stop and pause it, do the small group Bible study, whatever. The next point, point number four, Satan is behind everything that is contrary to the truth, God's word. John 8, 31 through 32, King James then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. How can we know the truth? Is by continually being in the word of God. So, Satan is behind everything that is contrary to God's word. Hence, homochristality, gay Christian, LGBTQAIS2+, ZYXWVUT, Christian, that's why that's on the table. That tells us many things. People are not staying in God's word. Psalm 1 tell us to meditate in it day and night. I got up this morning. Within an hour, I'm already thanking God. I'm already praising God. I'm already acknowledging him. Thank you, Lord, for the activity of my limbs, etc. I get to where I work, and I'm in the word. I'm, I'm researching. I'm looking up notes. I got the word in my ear for another hour or two. Then I start praying. I pray for uh, some folks that I, I got a book that I pray for people in. Then I, 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 I come and I, it's time to eat. And so I'm praying back to God, thanking him for the food. Do you see what I'm saying? That if you living like that, that's one way that you can continue in God's word. That's how you'll know the truth. And when you know the truth, what does the Bible say? And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yes. This is One Life with Taylor via MadeUpMind.com. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, share. Please share this thing. That's the most important part. You and I both know people that might be perishing when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to church, etc. Now, I will say this. I am a male. I was born a male. I was created as a male. Why? Because God made me a male. When I arrived at planet Earth, I was and still am a male. I am 100% testosterone. So I am not ashamed of what God made. I, I also love 
how God set things up. His nat the natural order of things. I love it. Yes, I'm a male and I am exclusively, solely, and naturally attracted to females. That's the way God set it up. Why? It takes a male and a female to make other males and females. If males were attracted to males, we wouldn't have other humans. If females were attracted to females, we wouldn't have other humans. How do we know? Well, if you start a farm, you're going to make sure you grab males and females so you can have more animals. If you had a beef farm, a cow farm, what? five male cows or six male cows when they die your farm is done but every farmer knows i need males and females because i need more cows that's 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 why god made them male and female because he says in genesis 128 be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth so this is not about opinion. This is not, oh, I'm I'm knocking you because you like a certain shirt. You know, as far as this whole sexuality thing, no. It's basic function and basic purpose. Now, John 14, 6, King James Version. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. The devil is contrary to Jesus. He's contrary to him because Jesus is the truth. John 17, 17, King James Version. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Again, Satan is behind everything that is contrary to the truth. Now, you might say male, female, the natural order of things, biology, medicine, medical world and science. So biologically, medically and scientifically, male and female works. Yes, that is how God created things. That is the truth. And Satan is behind everything contrary to that truth. Next point, homosexuality is a direct deception, distortion, and destruction of God's image and likeness. It is a direct deception, distortion, and destruction of God's image and likeness. How so, brother? Genesis 1:27 King James Version tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. He made them male and female. God didn't just make a male by itself. God did not make a female by itself. God did not make two males. God did not make two females. Genesis 5, 1 through 2, King James Version. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In that day, God created man. In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So Genesis 2, 5 through 7, there's a man, but within that man was the rib that God would take out to make the woman. Right? So again, it's a direct deception, distortion, and destruction of God's image and likeness because it's contrary. It's the opposite of what God created. Now, let's keep reading because this is from the beginning to the end of the Bible. We see one argument. What you have 
when it comes to not just LGBT, but just anything that's contrary to the truth is you have a wordplay, you have tricks, and you have little schemes and, and, and different uh, uh, strategies to try to find loopholes and stuff like that. You know, that's like cutting off a piece of my arm and saying, you can't tell if this male or female. Well, it's a piece of skin. No, we can't tell. But if we were to break it down and look at, look at the molecular and cellular level, we would find some type of DNA that traces it back to a male. And that's really how folks do when it comes to the Bible. Most people who talk about the Bible, they don't even read or know the Bible thoroughly. And, and again, if they do know the Bible, they're trying to read into it and, and make it say what they want it to say. But I just read to you Genesis 1, Genesis 5. Now let's read Leviticus 18. And we know this is a loaded verse that's always in LGBT arguments against the Bible, like God hates and stuff like that. This whole chapter, Leviticus 18, is not just about sexuality, but it's about uh, what is proper and right. It talks about, uh, a, you know, a brother shouldn't see his sister's nakedness and, you know, a, a father shouldn't see the, 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 the daughter's nakedness and all this kind of stuff. You know, in other words, it's speaking against all sexuality that is not of God. So in this one chapter, we see touched on is bestiality, incest, homosexuality. We see those three. Yes, we do. So, but we get down to the end of the chapter and he addresses homosexuality. Leviticus 18, 22 through 24, King James Version. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. Why? It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself with. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. Leviticus 18, 22-24, King James Version. Again, what, what the LGBT community like to do, and this ain't nothing new, this has been around for a while, they like to act like the Bible is slamming just them. Man, the, the, the God is, is again, he's, he's holy. God is righteous. God does not stand for anything that is contrary to him. It's, it would be no different than to say, man, all judges do is prosecute drug dealers. Yep. They just mad at me, man. Every time I turn around, cops is all on the block. They, you know, going in my houses. They checking my car. They pulling me over. They always picking at me. You and I both know, man, it's laws against every kind of crime, not just drug dealing, a robbery, an auto grand theft, a forgery, and you name it. And, and that's what LGBT does. Oh, the Bible's just beating us up. No, no, it's not. This is one of plenty of things that goes contrary to the way that God created and set up things. I just read it right in the verse where it says, hey, don't be gay. And they don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, no homosexuality. It says, neither shall thou lie with any beast to the father thyself. Now, you don't hear nobody talking about that. The Bible's saying that I shouldn't, you know, lay down with the donkey. Nobody's screaming that. Now, let's read the next verse. Romans 1, 21 through 27. King James Version. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations 
and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their bodies between themselves. Watch this, folks. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Romans 1, 21 through 27, King James Version. Again, you might be saying, hey, my brother, can you please unscramble those eggs for me? Well, watch this. What I want you to see here is there's the truth. There is the way that God made things. Yet, 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. How? They became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Here's a prime example. When I was in elementary school, you know, six, seven, eight years old, part of the day, sometimes we'd have art projects or art class. This was a time where, hey, we had to wear a shirt that we could get dirty, didn't mind getting dirty. So I'd go home, my dad would give me one of his shirts and it felt so good, even though the shirt was real big, it was almost like a house coat, a long trench coat. I felt so good having on daddy's shirt. And most kids do, but that was me. So I went to school, I put on the shirt. I'm like, okay, I am ready to do some art. We start painting and doing the watercolor and get out the construction paper. And the, the teacher's like, all right, everybody get out the supplies. And then all of a sudden, you know, this is like an hour and a half after that public school free lunch. I look over on the table and I see a big uh, classroom size bottle of Elmer's glue. Uh-oh, you already know where I'm going. When I saw that glue, the bottle, I think it had that little cow on it, but it was white. It had that little orange top, almost like a Gatorade. You just twist that thing. I don't know what came over me or what I was thinking, what hit my mind. But when I got that glue bottle in my hand, I, mm, I smelled that little smell and, and I was equating that to be like milky or like a cheesecake or I don't know, some type of custard. And I said, mm, let me see what it tastes like. This would come, overcome my mind again. Their vain imaginations and uh, became vain in their imagination and their foolish hearts was darkened. And likewise, what did I end up doing? I took that doggone Elmer's glue bottle with two hands turned around and faced the wall so the teacher couldn't see me, and I proceeded to, to get me a swallow or two of that Elmer's glue. And man, for a while, that's what I would do. I used to drink Elmer's glue. That ain't no milkshake. 
That ain't no custard. That's not a protein shake. But again, vain in my imagination, my foolish heart was darkened. Man, I could have harmed myself. I could have injured myself. I could have, uh, you know, put cancer on myself from being foolish and, and being vain in my imagination. So keep that thought in mind. What does this say? 26, 27, it says, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was me. In other words, I'm now doing something with my body and I'm going to receive what is due in my body as a result of what I'm doing to my body. So this is why you have AIDS and monkeypox and all other STDs. In other words, hey, if I'm promiscuous, if I go on in every small town within a county, let's say it's 10 towns in a county, and I sleep with five women in every town in that county, that's 50 women. Well, I could, if I did that, what's going to happen to me? The due recompense, the recompense of the error, which is meat or due. I'm going to mess around and catch something. Crabs, trichomoniasis, syphilis, herp herpes, chlamydia, all these other types of STDs, AIDS and monkeypox, HIV, because the truth is, as the Bible would say, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Oh, I could sleep around. When I hear that song and I see that woman, as, as Marvin Gaye said, when I get that feeling, I won't. And Marvin Gaye, I agree. I, 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 me too. When I get that feeling, that's what I want too. So then when I sleep around, oh, this is the same thing with homochristality. Not just the gay part, not just the men sleeping with men. But again, their foolish hearts are darkened and now they're trying to change the image of God, the holiness of God, the purity of God, the righteousness of God. And they're saying, hey, God says this is acceptable to him. That's why homochristality. Now you have whole denominations. The Bible has not changed. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Titus 1 verse 2, God cannot lie. Uh, 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 Hebrews 6, 19, it is impossible for God to lie. We have these things fixed in the Bible. Now, all of a sudden, let's say 2000 and up, we have seen 2000, 2002, 2004, presidential change, 2008, Barack Obama said, love wins. You mean to tell me marriage, male, female has been fixed like the sun and the moon and mountains and water and gravity and physics. It has been fixed. And all of a sudden you're trying to say this is okay. Once again, Romans 125 says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Why? Because they burned in their lusts through the lust of their own hearts. They changed the truth of God into a lie. A pedophile looks at a five-year-old like a dog look at a piece of steak. 
because he wants that little boy so bad, he changes the truth into a lie. Now you have the term minor attracted. Uh-oh. So we see the gateway like the gateway drug. Now, now you can't get mad at pedophile Bobby when you have endorsed uh, uh, gay Jesse. Gay Jesse get his rights. He get his way. He get his man. He get his kids and all that. Well, the pedophile Bobby is at the line and he's at the counter and he said, hey, I like five-year-old boys. And guess what? I was born this way and I can't help myself. Do you see what's happening, people? Who change the truth of God into a lie. Here's an example as we move on. Let's say, hey, I got a friend. My friend's name is, you know, his name is John. And John likes to lick Walmart toilet seats. For some reason, he, he likes the experience of Walmart. He likes the fact that they have the auto center in the back. You can take your car to get an oil change and drop your car off and go shop. And after an hour or two, if you want an oil change, you want wipers, you want tires, you know, John is like, man, I really like this place because I can come here, I can drop my car off and I could just go and get me some coffee. And as a matter of fact, I can have a sub at the Subway or the Starbucks and uh, I can even have my glasses checked. And so I get my eyes checked, I, I grab some coffee, I'm shopping and I hear the page says, Mr. John, your car is ready. Wow, I love Walmart. But in my imagination, my imagination became vain. And the last time I went to the bathroom, something hit me. And I, I proceeded to use the bathroom. And it was something about that seat. Something about the seats at Walmart. And I just proceeded to lick the seat one time out of curiosity. I didn't tell anybody. But that seat, licking that toilet seat was so good that I decided to go public with what, what I like to do. So I don't care. I stay in Walmarts about four hours a day whenever I can. And I like to, you know, just go to the bathroom and lick the seats. So, uh, I, listen, I, that, that's a ridiculous example. But we all know that toilet seats ain't made to be licked on. Now, you might say, why did you have to go there, brother? Because, listen... If you lick a toilet seat, here's what you can expect to happen to you. E. coli, salmonella, staphylococcus, whatever that, however you say, say it, staphylococcus, staphylococcus, eros, food poisoning, the norovirus, streptococcus, the shingella, and even a strain of staphylococcus that can rot flesh and all of those are pretty much on all public toilet seats. He is going to receive in him that toilet licking, Walmart toilet seat licking John is going to receive in him the recompense due in his era. That ain't what you're supposed to do to no toilet seat. And that's why we have homochristality. Again, we, we did this gay stuff been around for a while. And, you know, when I was in school, it was always, you know, a handful of people. You would say, hmm, you know, he kind of you would. So this ain't nothing new. That's the point I'm making. But why is the church divided over something that so far in the Bible we see is pretty clear? 
We've gone from Genesis to Leviticus. We've gone to Romans. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. New King James Version. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I love 11. It says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, King James Version. Once again, the LGBT community reads that verse and they're like, Oh, he's saying something about homosexuals. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. It ain't just one. The Bible begins that verse with the question, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So all things in the container of under the umbrella of unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, God is righteous. God is holy. God is just. Just like when you go to a courtroom in a court of law, a judge prosecutes a wide variety of crimes. Well, God does the same thing. Genesis 18, 20 through 21. And again, from the very beginning of time, Genesis, Genesis 3, and so on and so forth, throughout the Bible, let's go back and read this and tie it to something that is said in another place in the New Testament. Genesis 18, 20 through 21. Let's read the ESV. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Genesis 18, 20 through 21 ESV. Of course, this is the Sodom and Gomorrah account where it was so sexually vile dirty, perverted, that the, 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 the stench of sin, the funk of sin, the evil of sin, the darkness of sin. It's like if somebody had a map, a weather person, meteorologist has a map, and all of a sudden they get this, pick up this radar from this one spot a uh, hundred miles out. That's kind of how this is to God. He see it, know everything, but that's what he said. Let me come down and see myself, all right? Now let's go to Jude 1, 7, King James Version. This is in the New Testament, towards the end of the Bible. What are people saying and talking about even when Jude was on the earth? Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. Strange, if you chase it out, means one not of the same nature, form, class, or kind. Different. Giving themselves over to fornication or going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 
Jude 1 7 King James Version when God rained fire and brimstone down on the city of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19 that was vengeance of eternal fire but even then what were they doing then nothing new this is old even then they were giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh. They were so, uh, they burned in their passion, in their lusts, in the vain imagination of their hearts so badly. They were pretty much trying to jump on anything and everything. All right. We'll, we'll come back to that, but let's get into, let's, let's wrap this up now. We, we, we talked for a while. We, we've gone through lots of Bible verses. Hopefully you see the continuity in the Bible when it comes to sexuality. So I don't see how a person can be all of a sudden convinced that, uh, you know, sexual immorality is now sexually moral before God. No, this is a fixed item. That's like saying, you know what? Lying ain't, ain't wrong no more. You know, stealing ain't wrong no more. You know, being angry and, 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 and punching somebody in the mouth ain't wrong no more. And that's what homochristality is. It's, it's an attempt for people to say gay ain't wrong no more. Now, when it comes to you joining the church, again, would you want to have a cancerous part of your body, a part of your body? No, you wouldn't want to have a gangrene, bacterially infected piece of your finger to stay on your finger. You say, no, we got to get rid of the bacteria, the infection, or we got to cut it off. That's why a person who says, I am gay, I do have a husband, you know, the same sex husband or spouse, and I want to be a part of the church. Well, Part of being a member of a church is believing in the statements and belief of that church. And when you read, you will see the atonement of Jesus. You can't you can't have an evangelical church and erase the atonement, the blood sacrifice of Jesus, the gospel. So, in other words, I'm coming in with sin. Well, if I want to join a church, my sin has to be washed if I'm going to be a part of the church. Why? Ephesians 1 tells us the church is his body. 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us the church is his body. So this is way more bigger than somebody's desire. George and Joey want to be a family and join a church. Well, you can be a family. You just can't join a church. You can do something else. That's like me saying, hey, man, I, I, I want to be a church member, but I sell drugs. I have a small crack operation going out of the Sunday school room or going out of the uh, the baptism pool. You know, I, I put my crack right there. And when everybody's going to meet their neighbor, or, you know, church is over. I go and slang a few rocks, you know, but I want to join a church. No, no, you can't do that in here. Not as no church member. We can't say you can't come in. Yeah, you can come in. We ain't going to be sitting up here trying to check your pockets for crack rock. And we also ain't going to sit up here and say, well, you can't come into church because we think you gay. Or you come in, two guys come in, George and Joey. We're not going to say you can't come in. Now, that's wrong. You can come in. You can take part in the service. Meaning, you can listen to the songs and hear the word. Uh, you greet people, all that. that that's, that's neither here or there. But when it comes to actually 
being a member, then you have a few things to consider because if you're following Jesus, that's why you'd want to join and be a part of his church. And following Jesus is doing what he say. And doing what he say is come out of sin. Come out of sin. Turn from your sin. Live a life that's pleasing unto him. That's the issue of homochristality. You, you, you know, that's, you know. So anyway, let's move on. For sin to be constant, rampant, and obsessively sought after, God made it very clear as to what he says about it. Listen to this, folks. Genesis 6 attempts to be repeated in Genesis 19. Sodom and Gomorrah, the sin that was going on in Genesis 19, already occurred in Genesis 6. Within the span of 12, 13 chapters, human beings are doing what they just got through doing. Genesis 6 is the account of the flood, the worldwide flood. And in that text, it said earthly men begin to have sexual relations with, uh, it's called Nephilim. We don't have time to, to break all this down, but let's just say angelic beings. Let's just say that. These are fallen uh, angelic beings, but they were angelic beings and they were taking wives, you know, of the, the, the daughters of men. Well, what happens in Genesis 19? Uh, we see that, hey, the men of the city came to Lot's house and they banging on the door and they're like, hey, bring them angels out here so we can have sex with them. The same thing that struck God's wrath in Genesis 6 when he flooded the whole world. And when you look into the research, God was getting rid of all the Nephilim, the hybrid humans. So he flooded the world in Genesis 19. He rained fire and brimstone on the city to do the same thing. All right, let me read you some stats and we're going to wrap up. This is Taylor preaching Jesus the Christ. You're listening to the One Life Podcast via MadeUpMind.com. Again, share this thing. If this is ministered to you, if it has been good to you, share it with one or two people. Not because, again, I, I, this is not marketing like, you know, uh, uh, tell people to come eat chicken or eat a biscuit. This is because you and I both know somebody is caught up in homochristality, homosexuality, a parent, a church member, somebody. And unless you share it, they'll never know it. And, and, and their eternity is, is at stake. So let me read you a few statistics. More than one in five or 21 percent of Generation Z adults identify as LGBTQ people. I'm not following these. I don't know what they're doing. They're going to run out of alphabet in a minute. What's millennial, LGBT, I mean, uh, millennial and Generation X, Generation Z. I, I don't follow all that. Generation Z, you might as well say they're like 25 and under or something like that. That's almost double the proportion of millennials who are 26 to 41 at 10.5%. And nearly five times the proportion of Generation X who are 42 to 57 at 4.2%. Less than 3% of baby boomers who are 58 to 76 identify as LGBTQ compared with just 0.8% of traditionalists who are 77 or older. I read to you this, uh, these stats coming out of a Gallup poll. Well, basically, the older you are, it is very highly unlikely that you are in the LGBTQ. 77. 58 to 76, 42 to 57, 26 to 41, and 25 and under. So basically, 
people who are 25 and under are the ones who have the highest percentage of LGBTQ. However, let me read you a verse because although these stats are there, although we have LGBTQ folk growing, here is a verse I want to read to you that's going to hopefully tie this thing together. It's almost like we're taking that last little glaze and we basting the, the meat at the end of its cooking stage. Revelation 21, 8, King James Version. This is talking about heaven, okay, the new heaven and the new earth. This is Revelation 21, right before Revelation 22, when it gives you the dimensions of heaven and how it's going to be, streets of gold, all that stuff. Revelation 21, 8, King James Version. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hail. Ladies and gentlemen, remember we read in Leviticus 18, why cannot man lie with man as he lie with woman? Because it is an abomination. That was in Leviticus. We're now in Revelation. The final judgment. The final gavel is being slammed. And what does God say? The fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, along with a whole bunch of other folk, shall have their part in the lake which burn up with fire and brimstone. LGBT likes to do a wordplay and make it seem like God has something specifically uh, against LGBTQ. Folks, abomination, we don't have time to chase the word, but it's detestable. It is like flipping a house upside down. It ain't just a little marred and leaning to the left a little bit and, you know, the settling. No, it's like if you were a, a hurricane or tornado uh, destruction, take a house, swirl that thing and flip it upside down. It's destructive. It is completely against what the will of God is. And again, sexual immorality is abominable before God. So what they'll say is, well, it says abomination. So notice in that verse, I didn't say the word homosexual. They'll say, well, Jesus did not use the word homosexual. Jesus did not say homosexuality. People, if I say stink, do I have to say football practice jersey? You know what them jokers smell like. It'd be folk going to the gym smell like that too. That's another song for another day. But listen, people. I don't have to say football practice jersey if I say stink or if I show you a football practice jersey I don't have to say the word stink because we know that a football practice jersey stank well when it comes to the so-called word play listen we don't have to say homosexual here we don't have to say drug dealer. We don't have to say con artist. We don't have to say grand theft auto. Well, the Bible didn't say grand theft auto. So it ain't talking about me. Huh? Now, I can be grand theft auto Christian. Now, I can be a gay Christian. Now, people, who is smarter? You with the brain or the one who made the brain that you have? Listen, folks. A few more stats, 7% of 
of the United States population today identifies as LGBTQ, 7%. You know what that means? 93% of people in the United States of America don't. The great majority of people are not in the LGBT community. I know when you go in a store and TV, they're trying to make you think, ooh, you know, that's that mass marketing. But stats show that 93% of people are like, no, we ain't doing that. Okay. Now, nearly one in five American adults will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. 46% of Americans will meet the criteria for a diagnosable mental health condition sometime in their life. You know what these stats tell me? One moment somebody could have their mind, the next moment somebody could lose their mind. When I was a chaplain at Tyson Foods, there was a time where someone was killed. When that person was killed, it was a, a son of a guy, a son of a father. This father lost his mind. He took it hard. When the son was killed, the father got kind of sideways for a few weeks. He, he was not himself. He was out of his mind. But after a few weeks, he started to normalize. He wasn't doing crazy things. And, and you know, uh, I'll just leave it at that. I'm trying to be discreet. So that's what statistics show. It shows that, hey, there can be times when a person's mind is gone. Keep that in mind. Let's get to this. One more point I want to bring up as we're talking about homochristality. Adjectives is defined as a word belonging to one of the major form classes in any of numerous languages and typically serving as a modifier of a noun to denote a quality of the thing named, to indicate its quantity or extent, or to specify a thing as distinct from something else. Here's what I mean. Hot coffee, sneaky snake, fast cheetah, green leaf, muscular bodybuilder. All those adjectives are correct because it modifies the noun or quality or quantity or extent of the thing. Here's what an adjective is not. Speedy sloth, cold fire, tall dwarf, square tire, spicy sugar. Those would be incorrect. Now they are adjectives but to put them next to those nouns will be incorrect. That's gay Christian people. That's homosexual Christian. That's homo Christality. That's gay church member. I'm a, I'm a homosexual member of, you know, lampshade Baptist church. You can get angry sometimes as a Christian, but you cannot remain angry. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, anger lies as the bosom of a fool. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, be ye angry and sin not. The Bible says in James 1, 20, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. 
Homosexuality is a way of life, not just an act. It requires a person committed in heart, mind, soul, and spirit in order to permanently go against the word of God and the nature that he gave man. Homosexuality requires a person's inner man. In other words, you are gay from the inside out. There's nothing about your body in and of itself that's gay. In other words, the way that my hands are and the way that my uh, private parts are, the way that my knees and anything about me, it's not gay. There's nothing wrong with it. God says in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Gay comes from the inside out. Homosexuality is defined as the quality or state of being gay. State means mode or condition of being. It also means of, relating to, or characterized by sexual or romantic attraction to people of one's same sex. Listen to what character means. Character, the complex of mental and ethical traits marking and often individualizing a person, group, or nation. What is the character of a Jesus Christ follower? What is the character of a homosexual? According to the definition that I just gave you. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to One Life with Tay Love via MadeUpMind.com. God bless you and thank you for listening. Please share this podcast. Please share this podcast. I say it again because we have got to help people. Jude tells us snatching, saving souls with fear, snatching people out of the fire while we still have time. 25 and under, chances are 1 in 5 is uh, identifying as LGBTQ. There's no time, people. We've got to snatch people and wake people and shake people to the truth. That's why you got to share this thing. That's all we got for this podcast, now featuring homochristality. Until next time.